0: Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. You know, when I moved to Hong Kong back in March, I really wanted to start to find those Wellpruners in Asia and see what's happening in the wellness scene here. You know, what are the trends here? Who's really being successful? And start to feature them on the podcast as well, because I think it's really interesting to see the similarities and differences between these businesses around the world, especially when we're marketing our businesses online and we can work with people anywhere. There can be a lot of threads that we can pick up from businesses in different places around the world. So when I got to Hong Kong, I started asking around about who do I need to talk to here? Like who is doing amazing things in the health and wellness space? And the name that kept coming up over and over was Bob Z. Bob Z. Gaia is the founder of Mana Restaurants in Hong Kong. And Mana is Hong Kong's first zero-waste restaurant. And besides having totally delicious, healthy food, he really inspires customers and creates a community with his motto, Eat Like It Matters. So I was thrilled to get to go do this interview with Bob Z. Now you'll hear in this interview that I actually conducted the interview in the cafe and in his offices above the cafe. So you'll hear a little background noise as we're going through, but hopefully that just makes it a bit more atmospheric. So in this interview, it's a little different from most of my other interviews because we're not talking specifically about digital marketing. We're talking a lot about mindset and philosophy and how business can really be a force for good in the world. And Bobsi also shares his story about how he got started creating restaurants with not having any experience and how he really built a team and built a community of people that followed his vision to help him bring it into reality. So I think you'll really enjoy this interview. And if you're in Hong Kong, absolutely make it a point to stop by Mana because the food is totally delicious. As always, you can get all of the show notes from everything we talk about in this interview over on the website, which is at wellpruneronline.com. And don't forget, if you want to join in the conversation and meet other Wellprunners who are growing their businesses online and talk about these podcast episodes, you should come over and join our totally free Facebook group. If you go onto Facebook, you just search for Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind, and you'll join over 800 other Wellprunners in there every day sharing and sharing what they're working on and helping each other and talking about the podcast episodes. And I'd love to see you there. So now let's jump into this interview with Bobsey. So Bobsey, thanks for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. So as I was doing a bit of research into you here in Hong Kong and just the businesses that you've run and how you started, I see that you start that you call yourself an ecopreneur. Mm. And I'd like to start there. What does that mean to you, being an
1: ecopreneur? Great question. I don't think it's a term I coined. I think it's existed. I'm not sure about that one, but it's to clearly distinguish between an entrepreneur. And an ecopreneur, an ecopreneur is someone who is completely committed to our planet, to Mother Earth. Eco is short for ecology. So an ecopreneur is someone who every action he or she would take, every business decision, every entrepreneurship decision, every drive, every motivation, every movement is first and foremost for the planet, for our ecology, for our environment. So that clearly distinguishes an ecopreneur from a normal entrepreneur. Your normal average entrepreneur is driven by money, most probably. Of course, entrepreneurs tend to be passionate and tend to have insights that other business people don't have. They tend to be motivated by a myriad of things. But often enough, the bottom line is money, while an ecopreneur, the bottom line is the planet. So it's a clear distinction.
0: But that must be challenging sometimes to because like you said being an entrepreneur and being a business owner it is so driven by money and ultimately I guess you need you've got to be profitable to to make it something that can change that can affect that ecological change for long term so how do you approach balancing that with your own businesses
1: it's a big question you have to approach it with awareness and integrity if awareness and integrity are lacking then it doesn't make much sense why on earth would you spend $200 more on your sustainable packaging than you would on normal packaging, unless you were fully aware of what was happening to our planet? So as conscious, sentient beings, human beings, we have intelligence. We have a connection to the divine. We are not just made out of flesh and bone. So in this expanded paradigm, we see that as the bottom line, what impacts The environment impacts us and vice versa. Once you have an awareness of that, you can no longer distinguish or make money a priority over that which you've become aware of. A small example would be if you're oblivious to rubbish, you you won't see it even if it lands in your lap. The moment you become aware of rubbish, you see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. So you have gained awareness. So some light's entered into your consciousness, and this light is... In this case, rubbish. So you can't avoid rubbish. The same, once you gain an awareness, a deep awareness, a heartfelt awareness of what is happening to our planet, every action you take springs from there. Now, having said that, as we're talking about entrepreneurship, we have to talk about finance and profit. So you have to strike a balance, but the balance is not to compromise the environment. The balance is to... Operate a business that is successful in its operations and its day-to-day management so that you can continue on your entrepreneur Mm -hmm. trip. But the normal business attitude or the dominant business model is profit for shareholders, no questions asked, profit is the bottom line. I think this is an outdated business model that has contributed tremendously to the destruction of our planet and our natural resources, which means us, by the way. This separation between us and the environment is at the core heart of what's happening to our world today. So we have to expand the paradigm of business. Business that is focused on profit alone, or loyalty to shareholders, no longer serves the purpose. It is outdated. So the expansion of the business paradigm has to include people and planet, Mm -hmm. as well as profits. So it's about the evolution of business. So if I'm talking to wannabe entrepreneurs now, this is key for your success. Because once you expand the parameters of your business model to include the we, as opposed to just the me, so you include the planet and people, you step up into a new realm of business, more cutting edge, more funky, more hipster, if you like, where it really matters, where people would Give you respect because they can see the integrity with which you behave.
0: Mm. I think the people listening are really going to resonate with that because I know, you know, so many of the listeners are just passionate about wellness and had that awakening like you were talking about in terms of their personal health and mm. how what they eat mm. and and how they live actually impacts not only their own personal health but their families and their communities and, and the earth. And so I think that that idea of that business can be A movement, yeah, a conscious.
1: So, wannabe entrepreneurs out there and seasoned entrepreneurs, please consider this. The value you take to your health, your well-being, or your children or your family or your loved ones, please apply that to your business. So, we're looking at a more holistic way of approaching business.
0: So, what are some ways that people can do that? Give Because I'm sure everyone's loving that idea, but how does that actually translate into real business?
1: you have to find your trust. Without trusts, we go nowhere. And we take trust for granted. Without trust, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning and put our feet on the ground. If we didn't trust that ground was solid, we wouldn't get out of bed and go and open the tap water if we didn't trust that that tap was going to give some clean water that wasn't contaminated so we could brush our teeth and wash our face. Since we were babies, we've trusted. We wouldn't have been born if we didn't trust in the first place. So let's keep that trust in our heart and in our minds and put that trust at the forefront of every business decision we take. So find your trusts. Now, this is a whole conversation, it's a whole book unto itself. How can we find our trust? But we must find our trust. And this is the trust in the universe that the universe is conspiring and always has for our own well-being and the well-being of all. What makes a heart pump in the first place? We don't know, but we trust. We trust it in our parents, so we we must always keep trust at the forefront. Now, having said that, the first thing an entrepreneur must do is wake up to their passion. Find your passion. What is it you're passionate about? And then follow it. It's where trust comes in. So you follow your passion no matter what, no matter where the road goes. Does it make sense? Does it make sense? Does it make financial sense or not? doesn't matter. Follow your passion because if you're passionate about something, you will excel at it. So follow your passion. Make your passion your mission in life. You're on a mission, a mission driven by passion. How powerful is that? Once you've found your passion, live it, breathe it day in, day out, no matter what, whether you have zero dollars in your bank account or a hundred million dollars in your bank account, it makes no difference. It's not about money. Live your passion, breathe your passion, make your mission second nature. So once you're on your mission, align that to your vision. You have to have a vision. The vision could be to inspire humanity to change. The mission, the vision could be to give clean, fresh water to every person on the planet. Make sure your vision is one of integrity, and that's supported and needed by all of humanity, not just a small section. So align your mission to your vision, and bingo, you will succeed. This is the way it always has been. This is no secret. Every great person you can think of throughout history of humanity has done that. It's simple, but it's not at the same time. Like the yogis say, it's simple to make life complicated. And it's complicated to make life simple. But what I just outlined there is a universal truth. It applies to everyone. But the first thing is you have to find your trust.
0: And that's like, in a way, trusting yourself too, and trusting your inner voice, trusting your...
1: gut feeling. Yeah. See, at school we're taught not to, from kindergarten onwards. Mm -hmm. We're always taught to be logical, Mm -hmm. be sensible, be academic. Be masculine, be masculine, be masculine, be masculine. masculine. Ignoring the feminine side, intuition, compassion, integrity, love. We must bring the feminine aspect into entrepreneurship. Cannot be masculine driven. By masculine, I mean the essence of the masculinity, which is logic, reason, aggression, competition, which are fine. We need those. But we must not ignore the feminine essence which is intuition and compassion and love. We have to bring that balance into business. If we are to be great entrepreneurs, of course you can be an average entrepreneur and you can make millions of dollars. So what? Of what service are you to humanity and the planet? Unless you align your entrepreneurship to a greater vision of service. Because we live in a time where no one can deny that our natural resources at a level beyond sustainability. It's not about global warming. It's not about is our planet warming by two degrees or three degrees, which it has already. It's about how many trees are left, how many fish are left in the sea, how much plastic is in our oceans, how polluted is our groundwater, our river, our fresh water, how polluted are the North Pole and the South Pole. We politicize the environmental catastrophe we're going through and start calling it global warming, which distracts people a lot. It's about our natural resources. Can we live without fresh air, clean water, and good soil? No. So what's the debate then? So as entrepreneurs, and especially as ecopreneurs, or integral entrepreneurs, or whatever term we use, we have to use our skills and our talents to raise awareness, to let people know what is happening on our planet today. And when I say planet, I mean people, I mean animals, I mean species, I mean flora, fauna, everything. We're all in this together.
0: So take us back. I know that you were you grew up in Beirut. You were yes. born in Beirut. And yes. then you tell your story about when you were in Thailand in your early 20s and you suddenly you had your awakening and mm. you realized that you needed to commit your life to improving the planet and, mm. and doing that through business. And mm. so you said that you started a t-shirt company. That mm. was your first mm. eco-venture. Mm. So I'm wondering, how did you settle upon restaurants and find that that was your path because that's Mm -hmm. I've never I have no experience with that but I from what I know it's not the easiest type of business to run and so how did you feel how did you determine that that was the way you were going to make your difference in the world
1: well it started with fashion my first two loves uh, music and fashion music just became a, a vocation but fashion is how I started my entrepreneurship I became an entrepreneur through fashion My childhood friend and I, Roger, were running a fashion company, and we were based in Beirut, but we were manufacturing in Thailand, and it's then when I underwent a personal shift in consciousness, I had an awakening and realized what on earth we're doing to our planet. And being in the fashion world, I said, well, okay, I have to do something about this, so, I switched the direction from a fashion company towards an eco-fashion company. Or well, back then, we used to call it environmentally friendly because we, weren't, we didn't have the vocabulary we have today, you know. The word organic and all of these words weren't really part of my vocabulary, at least. So, I switched the company towards becoming a green fashion company. And there, that's where I started raising awareness, through graphics, through designs, through t-shirts and accessories. And, and that's how I came to Hong Kong. And then moved into, you know, recycled plastic watches and you know, it was a company that still exists today called Gaia. And the drive was to raise awareness. And that was a wonderful journey and, you know, in the fashion world it's pretty cool. And but then I, I realized that my passion for food, because I'd already been vegetarian for quite some time, my passion for food was strong, but it wasn't just the food, it was all about community. So when we opened the Bookworm Cafe on Lama Island, I had no experience in operating restaurants or even cooking, but it was driven by the same passion, the same drive that switched my company from a fashion to an eco-fashion company. So I had a feeling to do it through food. By setting up a cafe, you can raise awareness in the community about Food that is healthy for your well-being, but also food that is healthy for the planet. And the secret to this was, the fact is that we as humans, we need to eat three, four, five, six times a day, every day. And our stomach is a powerful judge in our well-being. So I realized through our stomachs, I could raise awareness a lot more successfully than I could through fashion, Or through direct campaigning, at this time I was also running Able Charity, where we were campaigning, we were pioneering recycling in Hong Kong, we were planting trees, full on. But I realized through food and community, through a space where people come in a relaxed state to eat, I realized, and this was an insight, that I could be much more impactful than I could through other endeavors. And till this day, my conviction and my passion remain. And now, you know, almost 20 years later, we have Mana. And Mana's very successful in, in driving this awareness and championing a sustainable form of business, what I call a conscious business. But the insight was through food, I could be a lot more powerful in my mission than I could through any other way. It could be a small quote on the menu. It could be an article. It could be a did-you-know. It could be an insight that, you know, consuming meat, uh, fish, and dairy is the number one cause of misery, destruction on every level on planet Earth today. But you could do that through food. It could be very subtle.
0: That's really interesting. So you're giving people something that they want, which is delicious food, and put them in a nice atmosphere. And then they're relaxed so they're you can... And educate them and inspire, Inspire. yeah.
1: So it's about a peaceful revolution. Mm -hmm. It's about changing from within rather than telling people what to do and what not to do, which is not very effective.
0: Yeah, people just tune it out, I think, when you start
1: preaching. Especially in, in this day and age where we're drowning information and we can't discern between good and bad information. So when you come to eat food that you're hungry for and you love and it's yummy and healthy. It ticks all the boxes. That is a wonderful time to inspire change.
0: I think this is really important for all the listeners because so many of us feel so, you know, we've had our own transformations and we feel so passionate about whatever it is, whatever your modality is, you know, the types of foods to eat or yoga or exercise or herbs or whatever it is. But just preaching at people, isn't really affecting the change that you want. So instead, if you can meet people where they are, you know, and and give them this kind of environment and then educate and inspire, I think you're a great example of how that's really successful.
1: Absolutely. I've always believed in inspiring people rather than telling people what to do. So when, when I go to a public talk and say there's 10 people in the room and I tell the audience we must become vegetarian, we have to become vegan, I will lose 9 out of 10. But if I tell the audience, let us reduce our consumption of meat, fish and dairy, I will gain 9 out of 10. So it's about inspiring change rather than enforcing change. Because you can't make people aware the way you can teach people a language or a skill. Awareness has to happen naturally or not at all. You can point people in the right direction. You can point people towards the moon. You can't force them to look at the moon.
0: So when you were starting Mana, or, or the cafe, the Bookworm Cafe. Bookworm and Cafe. And you said you had no experience with restaurant, rest, running a restaurant-type business. So how did you approach that? Did you find mentors and advisors that could help you? Did you just kind of dive in and try? How did you...
1: Well, going back to the earlier part of... The, Conversation, I, I mentioned trust. So I had found my trust. I found that through my awakening in 1989. And then it's a question of waking up to your passion. I had already woken up to my passion, and that's to inspire change and raise environmental awareness. That's my passion. So it was a question of starting something you're passionate about that's mission led, and it was a cafe. So experience or none, fear or not, it doesn't matter. You just do it. And as you build it, they come. So lo and behold, a great chef walked in and said, Hi, I'm a great chef. Uh, Do you guys need a hand? And we're like, yes, there's the kitchen. In you go. And, you know, I'm a foodie, always have been, and having grown up in Lebanon, that gives you a tremendous advantage over, in my opinion, most other cuisines. So, you know, I, I knew how to make a mean hummus and a good mm-hmm. baba nouge and back then in the, in the 90s, that's all you needed, and you needed some good bread, and then a, a chef comes along and we discuss starting a vegetarian shepherdess, shepherd's pie, which we call the shepherdess's pie, feminine. Now, a shepherd's pie is a traditional English dish, if you like, that's got minced meat in it and potatoes. and so we created a shepherdess's pie, and on that shepherdess's pie with a side salad, a good hummus, a good baba some good bread, a couple of good juices, we started something that didn't exist in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So more and more people started to come, and then from that we expanded our repertoire. But there were some pretty hairy days where, you know, I was the chef in the kitchen, and I could barely, you know, scramble an egg. And my business partner, Rodney, back then, you know, him and I would be in the kitchen and at the front at the same time and running around like headless chickens. Yeah, there were, you know, testing moments. But we managed to pull it off. Because with passion, you do.
0: I think that's why passion is so important. Because it's not like you just set up a business and voila, it works. I mean, it's, no. it's a marathon in a way. It's, it's a life. It's becomes really part of your life and you yeah. and you wake up and do it every day and so if you day don't in, have that
1: out, passion you're breathing it you have to you know you can get a phone call at, at five in the morning saying someone's broken in and stolen the money and the, the, the till is on the floor and what do you do? You have to get up and go down and deal with it so as an entrepreneur you have to be ready to sacrifice but Ultimately, the word sacrifice means to move towards the sacred. So we think of sacrifice as a negative word, but sacrifice is a very positive word. You move closer towards the sacred. But having said that, yes, it's hard work, it's long hours, it's no guarantee you're going to make money. Working with people is extremely difficult, so your biggest challenge is always going to be your colleagues, your business partners or your employees. Bear that in mind, that would always be your biggest challenge.
0: Just because everyone has
1: their own opinions. Yeah, and communications. You know, you you can say, this is a beautiful green tree standing by the pond. Doesn't mean they heard exactly those words. Although you said that and you were describing what you saw. They might have heard something different and understood something completely different. So communication is always going to be difficult, especially when it's just language-based. But if it's heartfelt... If you're both coming from the same consciousness, then it makes it a lot easier. But the biggest challenge for any entrepreneur will be people.
0: Do you have any tips or advice about hiring good people?
1: No. I'm not sure how to do that, really. Very, very difficult. In some countries, it's easier than others. But it really depends on your starting point in life. Are you passionate and have you aligned your passion to your mission and do you have a vision if so then it's very easy to communicate but if you're just coming because you want um you know a salary check at the end of the month and that's the only thing you're driven by then it makes it very very difficult but i think in silicon valley there's some successful stories of how to hire you know some big companies that have cracked it but then they're not dealing with food it's a lot easier when you're dealing with something like Google or Facebook. Or when it comes to dealing with food, which is the most challenging of any entrepreneurship, any, because you have to have fresh food seven days a week, day in, day out, ready and tasty. It's not like you've developed a, you know, a really good shampoo and then you've cracked it. And It's just a question of increasing numbers and increasing sales. If we're talking about food with integrity, then you have to prepare it fresh every day. Mm -hmm. And then you've got all sorts of challenges to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. In our case, seven days a week. We don't have breaks between lunch and dinner like so many restaurants do. So there's no time to recharge your batteries, to realign you. It's a very, very hard um, world to be in. So had it not been for my mission aligned to my vision, I wouldn't be involved in food at all. What's the point?
0: I'm curious since you've you've been here in Hong Kong for what 20, Three years. 23 years so how has how has the health and wellness scene changed here
1: amazing it's just growing exponentially right now It's unbelievable now in two thousand and sixteen we're going to see maybe another half dozen entries into the market and every restaurant group I'm aware of now they want to bring in local vegetables, organic vegetables organic foods Organic wines, healthy options, more vegetarian options, more vegan. There is no one in Hong Kong now that's not thinking about that. Whether they're going to take action this year or next year or the year after, it's booming. It's an exponential growth in wellness, not just in Hong Kong, but globally. It's part of the shift in consciousness in in us evolving as human beings. Because we no longer believe in the old paradigm that sees the universe made out of matter and only matter, We don't believe in the old paradigm that says our bodies are machines, made out of flesh and blood, and that's it. We we no longer believe in that. We've embraced a much bigger, more holistic worldview where we see the entire universe made out of consciousness. Call it energy. And we are definitely not made out of flesh and blood. We are living miracles that have an expanded mind that touches from infinity to infinity. So when you wake up to a bigger paradigm, to a bigger worldview everything changes. So entrepreneurs out there, just take this insight. If you believed in a universe that was made out of matter, in other words, the building block of the universe was a material element, be it a molecule or an atom or a quark or a subquark, or call it what you will, and then view the world. If you shifted consciousness and approached another worldview where you saw the building block of the universe was not material, but consciousness or energy, What would change? Everything. And that's what's happening today. That's why wellness is such a big movement. Yoga, green technology, alternative medicine, alternative science, biology instead of physics. All our institutions are changing. Why? Because we've shifted from a materialistic worldview to a consciousness worldview. If you understand that insight, you need have no fear. You need worry about nothing else. That is the secret. That is what's driven every great woman and every great man. It's a deeper insight into our worldview. So if you changed a material building block to a consciousness building block, what would change? Everything. Including how you think, who you think you are, how you breathe, how you eat, what you do in life, how you wake up, how you... Bring up your children, etc. 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 So that is the difference between the old paradigm, which has served us well, by the way, mm-hmm. until it started to kill us. So we've had to evolve into a different paradigm.
0: So we're coming to the end of our interview, but oh, I. <laughs> But I'd love to know, so as an entrepreneur and a business owner, and, and you've got your hand in so many, you know, so many pots on the stove, I guess, how do you maintain your own wellness? What are some of the routines or habits or, or just how do you, you know, approach keeping yourself balanced and healthy amidst trying to grow all of this?
1: <laughs> uh, here is where you know, I, uh, I have to be more humble. I try my best. I swing like everyone else. I go through my super healthy periods and my less healthy periods. And, but, you know, I have to thank God every day. Without um, giving thanks and blessings and, and praises, really, to the divine, there's nothing. So perhaps I can answer that question by saying I have to give thanks for my trust in the universe. And that's the foundation on which I rest. But hey... I could be run over by a bus tomorrow. I could get any illness. We're all susceptible. We're all made out of energy anyway. And, you know, we come and we go. Um, We're born, we die. That's inevitable. But in between, we have to keep our trust. And we must always be thankful for everything. from the fact that we can put our feet on solid ground when we wake up in the morning. to opening that tap and being able to brush your teeth. So opening the fridge and, you know, getting some fruit and going to your dining table and eating a fresh apple to all the way through. We have to keep our thanks and our humility, because that's the bottom line.
0: Thank you very much for being here, so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can get all the show notes of everything we talked about over on the website, which is at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget to join us in the Facebook group if you'd like to really connect with the rest of the Wellpreneur community, get some feedback on your work and support other people and talk about the podcast episodes. That's all happening on Facebook in the Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind Facebook group. So have a fantastic week and I'll see you back here next week with the next episode.